Impact Hour 3 of Freedom Speak with Becca Marie and Stella with uh, guest Mark Abramson. If you're listening to the replay on the radio, thank you for listening to KDAZ 96.9 FM AM 700. If you're watching us uh, streaming live on uh, Friday morning, you can watch us and listen to us, and you can call in, and you can join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and Rumble. Friday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon. And uh, probably the easiest way to get to that, if you don't know how to get there, is you can just go to our website, website freedomspeaknm.com, and click on the Rumble link, and that'll take you to Rumble. That's my favorite platform. You want to call in and join the conversation? The number is 505-444-5059. And if you're watching, then you see that number streaming along the bottom of the screen as well. I wanted to, uh, I'm going to be here pretty soon. One upgrade I'm going to do that I haven't done yet to the uh, studio is I'm going to be adding a screen so that I can uh, better monitor all of the um, interaction on social media with the messages and things like that. But for now, i got to turn around and I can look at them. Here, I'll, I'll put the camera on Mark for a minute while I take a look at that because he always has plenty to say. Uh, let's see here. I'm looking at, uh, huh, somebody by the name of Joe says, uh, do you know what the additive is called used to prefer, uh, used to preserve Quaker oats, uh, oatmeal? And they said, I understand something dangerous. I don't know. Wow. I, I have oatmeal every once in a while. I didn't know that. I don't know. Um, the answer is use steel cut um, oats and uh, cook them longer and enjoy them. Um, I had no idea Quaker Oats was using anything uh, like that. Nothing surprises me. Yeah. Oh, well, so bear with me, people. I've been, every week, I've been adding to this studio, <laughs> and it gets, it gets more and more crowded with equipment in here by the week. Um, this week, by the way, I, I made a big, uh, just to give you an idea of the progress I've made here, this week, we're using all my own cameras. Um, so up until this week, we've been using Ryan Penfeld's cameras. This week, I've got all my own cameras now. And uh, so I got my own cameras. I got my own video switcher. So uh, we're 100% uh, on that. And uh, by next week, uh, I think we'll be 100% on everything. And then uh, one thing I'm going to be adding still is I'm going to be adding a screen so that I can uh, monitor and interact all with all of the uh, chat going on on all the platforms that we're streaming on. So that's, that's the one thing I still have to add uh, that I'll be doing. So, you know, just... Yeah, bear with me. I get the messages. It just sometimes takes me a little while to notice them right now. So <clears throat> I wanted to mention, uh, I want to continue on this topic of uh, the, um, oh, by the way, one one thought that I, we were talking about that appeal earlier before the break. One thing I noticed, and, and you got to, you got to, I'm always telling people, you got to make sure you do your research and just, and you got to. There was one thing that was fake news that I noticed popping up in numerous places um, about uh, about that product, in which somebody obviously was trying really, really hard to look for a way to demonize it, you know. And they were uh, pointing out a product, uh, a link to a product which had the same name, but in fact was not the same thing. It was actually some kind of household cleaner, and they were... <laughs> It's like, I'm sorry, it's not the same thing. So this is why you've got to just, when you when you read stuff, you got to be critically thinking here on this stuff. You can't just believe everything that's on there. So anyway, I just, I thought I would point that out. I had made a note of that. And Anyway, so Fox News, Tucker Carlson, which I, I really, I love Tucker Carlson. He's like one of my favorite uh, people on TV right now, was interviewing. He did a two-night uh, thing in which he uh, interviewed um, Elon Musk. Oh, by the way, while I'm thinking about, on the topic of Elon Musk, did you see the the Starship? Uh, Blew up. For, yeah. Um, 
they said it was a partial success because the 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 huge rocket bigger than a Saturn V did launch. It went up. It performed really well. Um, but uh, when it got to the point up there where they were supposed to separate Starship from the booster, it didn't separate. So I believe they self-destructed it is what happened to prevent it from a big, huge thing falling down on something. So they blew it up. I mean, even when Elon Musk says before the launch that it has a 50-50 chance. Right. Yeah. Um, it seems weird. It seems expensive. But he's got more money than almost anyone. Well, you know, it's a business model that seems to have worked for him so far. That's the way they uh, – I mean, there's. I guess there's only so much you can do on a computer model uh, testing things until you actually put things together in actual practice and try them out. Um, I'm sure that they, they've got a lot of data that they've collected from this particular thing, and, they'll, and I'm sure they'll figure out why the separation didn't work like it was supposed to. Um, but that's how SpaceX kind of looks at things. It's like, well, you know, we gathered some data and, and part of it was a success. So we got that part down, you know, we know the booster, um, performs as expected. And, and I think that's consistent with what like Thomas Alva Edison said, you know, a hundred yeah. more, more than a hundred years ago that, you know, there are no failures. There's just one more way to learn how not to do something exactly we know we know one way that it won't work yeah um so anyway so tucker carlson was asking him about a lot of things and one of the things he was asking him about was ai apparently uh elon musk was one of the people that actually first kind of invented this whole ai thing and then others took over from there um but He's very concerned about it. Um, and, you know, I was talking about last week about how social media manipulates people uh, in which the, the main goal of social media is to keep you engaged as much as possible because you are the product. Everybody that is on social media is the product. I mean, just like me, I'm... I'm, I'm live streaming on social media right now. I am a product on social media, okay? Um, people are going to uh, watch my show and uh, be engaged, and uh, that is going to benefit social media because it's going to have people on it. They're going to probably see some ads while they're on there. <clears throat> but the thing is, is that social media will keep people engaged to the detriment uh, of themselves, and they'll keep them engaged with things that aren't necessarily good for them as long as it keeps them engaged. Um, and it's really bad for kids, especially, if it, it can give them a, a, a really – and this could have something to do with this whole thing where we were talking about the whole transgender thing. I mean, when we were kids – we, we dealt with peer pressure on a lot of different issues. I remember one peer pressure that I resisted, and I'm glad I did when I was a kid, is I resisted smoking cigarettes or doing drugs. I, I always looked at those kids as like, ah, oh, they're doing stuff that, that, you know, they're the bad kids. They're, 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 you know, out back in the school and they're smoking cigarettes and they're doing all that kind of stuff. And I just never, I never engaged in any of that stuff because, you know, one thing I learned a lot that my mom was really great at was telling us about how these things were bad for us. Um, and I did not have a strict family that I grew up in. You know, my family was actually let us get out and do things. I mean, some of the things that we went out and did would probably terrify my parents, <laughs> you know, but, but they let us get out there and make mistakes. But at the same time, they taught us the difference between right and wrong. And they taught us about what was bad for us. You know, like number one, don't, don't trust strangers, you know, be, be, be weary around strangers because, you know, they might hurt you. Um, you know, drugs are bad for you. Smoking's bad for you. Alcohol. Alcohol's bad for you. I did a little bit of that anyway, but mm -hmm. <clears throat> luckily uh, alcohol is something that, that never really, some people, they drink alcohol and they got hooked on it like a drug. Uh, me, I never really liked it enough to get hooked on it. You know, it's like, eh, it doesn't really taste all that You didn't great. drink the right stuff. Well, maybe. I don't know. I tried a few <laughs> things. But but anyway, so, um, yeah, before I got sidetracked there a little bit. But it all ties together. Okay, so 
AI, he was talking about AI in which, uh, you know, as it is, the algorithms that are on social media do a great job of keeping people engaged. But what if you take a super intelligent AI running on quantum computers that can predict like a million steps ahead to and put that in charge of those algorithms to design even better algorithms constantly designing new algorithms reprogramming them on the fly for each individual person to engage them more and more and more and then the topic was brought up as well what determines the 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 moral um, compass of AI? The programmer. That's what. Yeah, that's what I heard. You know, so the question is, who is who is programming the AI? Is like, are they programming the AI? So okay, we want to we want to engage people as much as possible at all costs, no matter what, no matter what it takes. Or are you putting in some some guidelines? Well, aren't the guidelines designed to bring you back into their program? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there are biases that are built into that to get you to stay on the platform. It bothers me that I can go out on the web and do a search and all of a sudden have my social media bombarding me with ads from where I just was. And it's because it's learning from where you're going. And I tend to be a bad customer for them because I can ignore them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I just find them annoying and I ignore them. You know, even with these smartphones, you could be talking about anything in a car with someone. And then you say, well, find the GPS to see where we're going to. And you open up your phone, then all these things come up about what you were talking about. All advertisements and you go... You know, like, how do they even know? Kind of leads you to believe that it's listening to you all the time and gathering data all all the time. time. Mm -hmm. Alexa is a frightening notion that... Siri is just weird, too. I mean, mean, Siri has actually gotten really disgusted with us sometimes. We can't understand about an address and stuff, and we'll have to repeat it three times, and she'll go... Like, takes a deep breath, like, are you ignorant? You know, like... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Siri. Yeah, Siri. Yeah, no, Siri is... Um, yeah, if you have like the Hey Siri function on, then Siri's always listening uh-huh. and learning, and that's part of the game that they're playing. It's pretty frightening. Yeah, yeah, it is. My phone right now, because I said Hey Siri, right <laughs> is now asking me what do I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, you know, I've had my phone before in which uh, I have not even said, you know, the word. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a have a Android phone, you know. So there's a certain word that starts with B that you say. Uh, hey, B, you know. Um, I use that sometimes as hands-free when I'm in the car to get directions or information, things like that. It's a handy feature. But... I've seen my phone pop up and start dictating words that I'm saying when I hadn't said the B word. You know, it's like kind of makes me wonder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much information is it gathering? But when Alexa just pops up and says, I don't get it, when you're telling a joke or something, it's a little frightening. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, um, so. Here's an interesting thing. I, I last week I played a um, basically a fake radio, a fake Joe Rogan radio show clip, and in which the AI completely created the radio show, simulated the voice and the inflections and everything about how Joe Rogan talks, along with the guy that actually helped design the program. And it even imitated him. And they had this back-and-forth conversation, which sounded completely real. It didn't sound mechanical or artificial at all. Um, And then I played back-to-back with that an actual clip from a real Joe Rogan show. At least I thought it was a real Joe Rogan show. Who knows anymore? You don't know what's real anymore. You know, we talk about fake news. Fake news is something that we've been talking about for the last few years in which we can't necessarily trust everything that that is printed on the internet 
you know, like I was saying, you gotta gotta really dig, and it's getting harder and harder all the time to do research. Things are either completely scrubbed all together and you can't find them, or you've got the same information regurgitated over and over again from multiple sources. So, <clears throat> like the fake Joe Rogan thing, okay? How do we and 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 not only that, but I get phone calls all the time now from from uh, robocalls from computer generated voices that sound real, you know. And I, I when they'll ask me a question, it's like if I'm unsure, I'll trip them up by asking, a, making a comment that's maybe a little off topic or whatever. And then when it goes on and just completely disregards what I just said. Then I'll really, I'll just say, like, what are you wearing or something like that, and then it hangs up on me. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to do. They hang up on you. Every, if you say, what are you wearing, they hang up on you every time. Every time. But, <clears throat> so I'm getting a lot of those. But what about on the web where if the objective is to make sure that you are engaged as much as possible, and then the AI creates fake interviews creates uh, fake um, fake endorsements from people I mean you already have all these tons and tons of fake endorsements on there uh, saying people have died and then they try to sell you skin cream you know <laughs> so and so will be missed and it's like it leads you to believe oh my god so you know so and so has died and then you click on it it's clickbait and then you go there and they're trying to sell you some kind of skin cream or a, or a supplement or some nonsense like that. And, you know, the thing that makes me wonder is, does anybody actually buy that stuff when they get sucked into those things? Someone must. They must be. Somebody, mu- a lot of people must be doing it, must be actually buying this crap. Or is it even real? Is it just a scam? But the scam has to have an end. I mean, there has to be something they're getting from it, either information or they're attacking your computer you know or i have found that if you're buying something that's advertised on facebook you're an idiot because it never works it's if if you can never find the company that guarantees your money back if it doesn't work you can't find them they don't answer phones there's no it's just all they're all scams i think yeah i always research underlying it to find out what the fraud is because there are so many devices that will fix anything and everything that's wrong with you or that, you know, a former intimate partner may tell you that's wrong with you. <laughs> what kind of thing are we talking about? Here? I don't know. Just anything. <laughs> but, um, you know, whether it's a food substitute or, or weight loss or um, a medication or a non-medication, if you go and search outside of that world, you'll find out whether, yeah, it's legit or it's not. But most of it is not. Mm-hmm. If it's too good to be true, it's not. Well, that, that's one of the oldest uh, rules in the world. If it's too good to be true, it, it probably is not true. Right. It's like getting a New Mexico concealed carry license uh, by taking a four-hour non-resident Virginia class or just filling out an application it doesn't work yeah i see those things pop up all the time where they're talking about oh yeah you know you, you can do it all online well no you can't do it all online new mexico law requires that you have range time which means you have to have a real gun and you have to go to a real range and shoot real ammunition that's new mexico law but what if you get it like from another state but you it's know? not valid in new mexico but they'll tell you it is mm. yeah because they don't care. They want your money. Of course. Right. Yeah. Well, that's so many people. That's the case so so many times these days. People don't care. As long as they can get your money or they can get accomplish what they want to do, they don't care if it's illegal. You know, they don't care. You know, kind of like about the legislature up in Santa Fe. They don't care. They don't care if it's unconstitutional. It's like, oh, we're going to put it through anyway. Sue us. And chances are, since uh, since they own all the lawyers and the judges in the state, too, you may not be able to sue them. You may not be able to find a lawyer to sue them. Well, you will always find a lawyer to sue somebody for about anything. And You could have a point there. And uh, the real problem is that 
the judges, I'm not saying they're bought and paid for. That would be incorrect. But when you're a one-party state in the judiciary, in the legislature— Maybe they are bought and paid for. I mean, you you heard the thing that went on in Arizona, right? There were judges that were bought and paid for over there. There were cops that were bought and paid for. There were city workers— that were bought and paid for. Sounded like the whole state was bought and paid for when I you know. added up everybody that was I, involved I, in I'm it. I'm a cynic, but I don't want to believe that. No. Um, but I also know that there's outside influencers who are invested heavily in our legislature and in our judges and in our district attorneys that trouble me mm-hmm. because they're not, whether it's Soros or Bloomberg, um, giving money to a district attorney here they're not doing it because they believe in them the way we would if we were supporting a candidate that's going to be impacting our lives Mm -hmm. so why is an out-of-state influencer coming in and investing in someone here and it's troubling well like the whole thing where they're talking about george soros buying all these da's um I supporting supporting that's right donating you know I like I said I think George Soros is a middleman I really do and and I think the people really um pulling the strings are people we have no idea who they are I I I I really don't I have no idea you know but anyway so if AI you know, the super intelligent AI, and, and one thing Elon Musk pointed out is that we're getting to the point of where, you know, up until this point, human beings have been the most intelligent um, thing on planet Earth, okay? But now we're going to run into a situation in which AI could surpass us in being the most intelligent. I mean, AI will have access to anything that's ever been written or, or posted or, or anything that's ended up on the internet, which we put almost everything on the internet, it'll have access to all of that knowledge. And it appears to have the ability to figure things out now. I mean, I, I, I've seen where it's written poetry. Um, it's, it's created works of art. Um, that's, wow, that's beyond anything I ever imagined that AI would be doing. But especially if you got the ability to fake people's voices, you got the ability to fake people's images, um, to what extent will AI go to keep you engaged? And like the whole trans thing, is is AI involved in in pushing that narrative too? It may be. I don't know. I do know that real people having discussions face-to-face can change attitude, can really move people, can build understanding. But when we are forced to go on our little handheld device to look something up, and we don't have the confidence that what we are seeing is true or real, it's, it's troubling. Because if someone took the Bible and rewrote it with a political agenda, left, right, high, low, that's a real concern. Because when people look and they want to go to the source material and it's been modified because there are things in a book, you know, in uh, Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Mm -hmm. Finn. Um, it's easy to go after Mark Twain because there's so much in there that could offend you if you're not thinking about how Mark Twain would have written those words 150 years ago. Yeah. And But they're modified now to make them school-friendly, youth-friendly, um, race-friendly. I mean, how do you know what you're reading is real? And... The way you do it is by turning the damn thing off and getting out. And you know, you go to the range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That is all real. 
Right. You can't AI your way out of a hole in a piece of paper. No. no. <laughs> you know, and I've often t- I, I've often told a lot of people that I'm I, I'm I'm old old school. I'm old fashioned. I prefer face to face communications. Um, I don't really like t- like text messages because I don't know who's actually sending me the text at the other end. Um, I you know up until now I've trusted a voice on the phone. But it's getting to where we may not be able to trust that anymore either. And face-to-face may be, may be the only thing that we can trust. Um, and and the, the world has become so virtual in so many ways. It's like everybody wants to do a Zoom meeting. Everybody wants to text. Uh, nobody wants to actually get together and talk. And I, I, I think that's important. I think you're right. There are, there are benefits to a Zoom meeting, and that is multiple people can get together from distant, you know, from great distances and accomplish things. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have an opportunity to get together without a lot of travel time, uh, without having to deal with COVID and all that, um, you know, yeah, people need to sit down. I mean, having a coffee talk at a Starbucks or Panera's or whatever is infinitely more satisfying to both parties where they can have a real discussion in a 15-minute, half-hour oh, yeah. session. Yeah. I mean, I was so glad when you asked me to do this that A, it wasn't virtual where I had to call in, and B, that you didn't make me go to the East Mountains. <laughs> Especially that one. That was my real one, concern yeah. this morning. She got, got to go to the East Mountains. By the way, how do you like my new sto- I studio? I love the studio. It's awesome. I think it's fantastic. All right, so um, let's see. The last segment. I got, it. I got a few more items here that I want to talk about. And then I want to talk about release 16 of the Twitter files. I've got that here, too. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Freedom Speak with Becca Marie and Stella. We'll be right back. Interested in getting your concealed carry permit? Perkins Protection Training offers state-approved concealed carry classes for both New Mexico and Utah, taught by a certified NRA instructor, local woman-owned and ran by husband-and-wife team since 2004. Individual coaching, ensuring every student learns according to their individual needs, complete with pre-class and follow-up tutoring. One-on-one, beginner, and advanced classes also available. Mention KDAZ for 10% off class. Call 505-238-1214. That's 505-238-1214 or on the web at PerkinsProtectionTraining.com. Are you a small business with unique skills that believes it can bring value to Sandia or our other national labs and would like to grow your national lab contract portfolio? Then listen up. Working with any of the national labs can be overwhelming. From the lengthy terms to the bureaucratic red tape, it can feel like these labs don't want to work with small businesses. Nothing could be further from the truth. They want and need exceptional small businesses to be part of their supply chain. I can help you. My name is Asa Bortz Johnson, owner of Sandia Consulting Group. I spent 10 years as a subcontract manager at Sandia Labs and can help you navigate the bureaucracy. My central objectives are to increase your firm's probability of winning a contract, minimize your administrative burden, shorten the time frame from proposal to purchase order, and maximize your firm's profit. Give me a call at 505-362-3499 or go to my website at sandiaconsultinggroup.com. Schedule your no-cost meet and greet to discuss how Sandia Consulting Group can support your mission. Hello, I'm Dr. Dan Lafferty. And I'm Dr. Stephanie Z from ABQ Gentle Dentistry. Putting off a trip to the dentist due to dental anxiety? Let us ease your fears. At ABQ Gentle Dentistry, we are gentle from your first phone call with the receptionist to the dental chair for treatment. We offer oral conscious sedation, IV sedation, and nitrous gas. We have the latest technology to handle all your dental needs right in our office. 
same-day crowns, 3D x-rays, 3D printing, digital intraoral photos, and laser technology. Let us transform your life by transforming your smile into a smile you can love. We also offer clear tray orthodontic therapy. You're part of the family here at ABQ Gentle Dentistry. Gentle is not just our name, it's how we treat our patients. We accept most insurance plans and also work with multiple lending companies to help make financing possible. Y hablamos español. We're located at 4550 Eubank Boulevard, Northeast, Suite 101. Give us a call at 505-292-8588 to begin your journey to an awesome smile. Or on the web at albuquerquegentledentist.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Genter from High Desert Chiropractic and Wellness. For 27 years, I've been helping patients by gently treating the root cause of their health issues, not just symptoms. Treatments include various chiropractic techniques and therapies, such as electrical stimulation, ultrasound and intersegmental traction, or the roller table. Let's help you be your best self by helping you achieve optimal wellness and maintain it lifelong. Located at 5310 Homestead Road, Northeast, call us at 505 292 Did you realize that our skin is the largest organ of the body? How often do we pay attention to what it's telling us? Hi, I'm Tomei with Skin LLC, and we don't just cover up imperfections, we heal them. Our skin being the largest organ of the body tells a story. Beauty and skin alike are often overlooked because we get overwhelmed with so much daily input. You can learn your own skin and beauty story through the customized treatments we provide, personalized just for you. Let us give you the education, healing, rejuvenation, and restoration to support your journey. Call or text 505-918-4211, mention this ad for a free phone consultation, and visit our website at abqskinllc.com. That number again is 505-918-4211. To the final segment of Freedom Speak with Becca Marie and Stella with guest Mark Abramson from Los Ranchos Gun Shop. Want to invite you to send us your questions and comments. Email us at Becca, B E C C A, at freedomspeaknm.com. And uh, if you're watching our live streaming broadcast right now on Facebook, Twitter, or Rumble, give us a call. Join the conversation, 505-444-5059. That's the number. We'd love to hear from you. So there's just so many stories out there right now. It's like I didn't have any trouble at all finding content for this week's show. (laughs) Here's an interesting, uh, interesting one I saw. Did you hear about the New York City parking garage collapse? Absolutely. I've got a lot of thoughts about that. Okay, so number one, it was a I, it was a very old parking garage. Okay, it was built to standards that uh, likely would not be approved by today's standards. And apparently, when it was built, there would be maybe five cars parked up there, and now they're parking like fifty cars up there, and it collapsed. So I, I'm sure it probably exceeded its um, its ability to to stand with the amount of weight it was designed for. Here's the thought I was thinking about, though. Okay, somebody put out a story, and I believe this was a, a fake story also, in which they were blaming electric cars. Now, that may have had something to do with it, because here, here's the thing. A electric car, I don't know if you have ever picked up like a... a a UPS, like an uninterruptible power... I got one of those right there that I run all my equipment on in case we have a power outage that things keep going. But the batteries weigh a lot. I mean, we're talking about 
an electric car is probably a thousand pounds heavier than a comparable gasoline powered car. I read this like they're okay. they're they're saying like thirty thirty percent heavier. Okay, so this is what makes me wonder: is you've got these bridges that were designed. Let's say for I, I would think that a modern bridge is probably designed uh, to support the weight of an average vehicle if the bridge was completely covered with those vehicles, okay? Probably designed for to cover that much weight, which would be a worst-case situation if the, there was a traffic jam and everything was jammed up. But did they design it with, with how much margin? That's what I'm wondering. Let's say, for instance, they successfully managed to replace every car on the road with an electric car. And then we have these... Uh, parking garages, bridges, things like that, that were designed to support a certain amount of weight based on the average weight of a car. Yet the cars are now 30% heavier. And you fill that bridge with cars that are 30% heavier. And and the interesting thing is that cars in the 60s and 70s were invariably heavier than any car is today, with Mm -hmm. or without. Because they were made out of steel. Correct. Thick steel. And a steel infrastructure, and they were just heavier and bigger engines. Uh, and I don't know that for a fact, but it just seems that cars uh, withstood a lot more punishment as, that I gave as a 16-year-old yeah, sure. <laughs> than these cars can handle today. Right. Uh, I mean, like my new Ford F-250 is, is made out of aluminum. Right. And my Ford Ranger... Not that we're doing plugs for Ford, but <laughs> um, like but my Ranger is r- very light. It's also an aluminum body and mm-hmm. will, I mean, yeah, you don't want to get it hit. Well, a lot of them are fiberglass and they crack like an egg. You know, as soon as they get in a, you back into something and it cracks. Well, you know, even some of the slightly older cars, uh, you're, you're right, Stella, is like they would like, for instance, make the hood out of fiberglass. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, make certain parts of the car out of fiberglass. Um, Now they're making entire cars and trucks out of aluminum. Um, And the reason they do that is because the government keeps imposing stricter and stricter uh, MPG standards on them. And so they got to figure out some way to make them lighter. Now, how it would do in a crash, probably not so good, you know, because aluminum is going to crumple. A lot easier than, say, some thick steel would. Right. But the passenger area may be safer because of other design issues in how the car collapses. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, they've really, science and technology has really taken us far. But when you talk about these heavier um, uh, electric motors, um, it's troubling because if you think in California, which is... It has traffic jams that are somewhat legendary. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to be pushing more and more electric, not just cars, but electric trucks. Yeah. What you're going to be talking about is significantly more weight on that. And will the bridges be engineered to handle that kind of weight when a truck is fully loaded and is dragging around uh, an electric cord so it can stay charged? Oh, that's not how they do it. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> kind of reminds me of an old episode of the uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. Remember that when Jethro wanted to have a phone in the car? So he had a really long phone cord. <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't quite and, work that way. Yeah, but it would work if we could put in like small nuclear uh, plants in each truck so they could generate their own electricity. Well, I'm guessing we have the technology to do that, but do we trust the average everyday uh, citizen with a nuclear power plant? And that adds more weight to the car, right? Well, I don't know. I think probably a nuclear reactor in the car would probably be fairly light. It, I mean, they did it know. with a DeLorean. Right, yeah. Look at, yeah. That was Doc Brown. I mean, that he, was real, right? Just get a Mr. Fusion, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, that weight, uh, I hadn't really considered it, but it. it it seems like our vehicles today, even an electric vehicle, would likely be lighter than, um, you know, my my dad's uh, steel truck. No, my dad was a physician. He didn't have a truck. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
put his Buick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else do we got here? I Oh, here's an interest. This is something that's kind of been going around a lot in the news is this whole controversy with Bud Light. Okay. Um, this is this kind of goes back to something I mentioned earlier, in which these companies seem to be more concerned with pushing woke policies. And this has nothing to do with the environment or anything like that. I can see a company saying, "Oh, you know, we're going to be killing all the spotted aisles if we do this or whatever." So we got to do some. Yeah, you got to be concerned about your environment. You know, we don't want to kill off species. We don't want to pollute the the drinking water. We don't do things like that. But I'm just really trying to figure out where the heads were of the people at at Anheuser-Busch, specifically the brand Bud Light, when, you know, when you're marketing a product, and, and, and I read some articles about this, and, and their excuse for this was, is that, well, we're trying to, to market to young people. Okay, well, if you're going to market to young people, market to young people, but why would you market to a somebody that claims to be transgender which I, I watched this person I find that questionable I, yeah I got my own thoughts about that but I'm not going to go there because I'll really tick a lot of people off if I do but <clears throat> more people yeah more people than I already tick off <laughs> but but the thing is you, you, you market your product to this really really small little fringe group okay basically that's what they were doing by Letting this person be a sponsor for for their product, um, and they got some huge backlash from that. A lot of people stopped drinking Bud Light, and you know they may have lost those customers forever. You know they may have tried another brand. It's like God, why have I been drinking this crap when I, this tastes way better? You know, and they'll never go back. Um, but why would you alienate um, a a large amount of your customer base that that may be offended by that particular uh article um i can speak to that um, okay i took out an ad in the uh, albuquerque journal a number of years ago that was very well intentioned mm-hmm. um, but was not received well by certain people such that i had media out questioning me about it i had angry phone calls from around the country And um, it was all because the graphics department at the journal put in a picture that uh, was that offended a lot of people. And uh, and it was over uh, Martin Luther King Day. And it was meant only respectfully because, I mean, you know, I was I was alive. I watched that murder um, over and over again and aghast about it. Um, so I had no intention of upsetting anyone in the black community, anyone in any community. It was a sale mm-hmm. over Martin Luther King Day. So sometimes you step on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So giving a, a special can or recognition to Dylan Mulvaney for having one year as a girl. That I mean that that's how she claimed it. It doesn't bother me. But the advertising or the uh, influencer side of Dylan Mulvaney doing that happy dance about March Madness, which was stupid or silly or whatever. I don't know. Was she paid for that? I don't don't know. I mean, I, I... I watched a, uh, a, a thing online where Dylan Mulvaney goes to the White House, okay? Um, Dylan Mulv- Mulvaney, uh, if, if you guys haven't watched, is a very flamboyant person uh, to, to if, you're repre- if, if Dylan's trying to represent what a woman is, it's a little bit of an insult to women because women don't act like that. Um, but... Just very over the top, flamboyant, and, and and you might even say flaming. Sure, <laughs> that's the term that, that the gay community uses. Flaming. Um, that it's like, why would 
you know, Bud Light not look at that and say, you know, that's probably not the best mascot for our product. Maybe, maybe we take something that's a little bit more uh, universally accepted. Uh, maybe just get you know get some some twenty somethings. Uh, you know, Hip, hipsters uh, are different. I don't know if you've been to like a hipster bar. I maybe I, not. Um, they're just different, and in their quest to be unique they're all like alike and it's really odd but it's odd for me you know sitting in my mid-60s yeah um but i celebrate the fact they want to be different the question is not that they use dylan mulvaney as a spokesperson but the direction if if that message was directed at young people um, not just gay lesbian. I mean, let's say it was just all, at all young people. Yeah. That's perhaps fine. But in this era of everything getting picked up by everybody and people being offended by anything. Right. Um, it was not a successful maneuver. No, I don't think so it was either. I will give them, you know, that the underling who approved this investment uh, in Dylan Mulvaney was well-intentioned. It was clearly not approved up the ladder because you never want to do anything that offends everybody, including the targeted audience you were going after because Dylan Mulvaney may not represent young people. Yeah. No, no, I, but, I agree. But if they wanted to consider it, think about it, and then do it, then you know some some ads some ad campaigns bomb. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have a problem with the you know the can celebrating her one year as a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the the content of that little prancing exercise um, about March Madness. Um, bothered me and i think bothered anyone who cared about sports at all march madness is a big deal for men's and women's basketball well you got to look at your your largest target audience and you know i i think and no i i agree with what you were just saying i agree with everything you were just saying um the thing is is why didn't they put their heads together at bud light and say hey you know this is what we want to do do you think this is a good idea but they obviously just went off half cocked on that and 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 did that and it's like uh, you're going to be alienating a lot alienating a lot of your customers now they're trying to backtrack on that now i don't know if you saw the new commercial they came out with with the Clydesdales. everybody loves the Clydesdales. i love the Clydesdales. i miss the commercials with the Clydesdales. i think yingling had the best ad after that cuz they basically said we're family owned we're family beer nothing's changed <laughs> yeah. enjoy it um and it is you know really the best thing i mean believe me between yingling and rolling rock i'd always have a yingling but um it's uh i think they stepped on it they made a mistake and you can say they had their heads up their bud yeah <laughs> that's a good way to put it <laughs> it was an expensive mistake um, it, it, it well, was. it's all paper, though, mm-hmm. because they lost sales maybe temporarily, maybe forever. Um, but market share went down, which caused the stock to take a hit. But unless you sold or bought stock during that period, it's just a paper loss. Yeah. And so if you believe in the fundamentals of that company – which I wish it was still Anheuser-Busch and not owned by Stella Artois. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's a European company. Mm-hmm. And um, that, I don't think that had anything to do with it. But I cannot, I could not see the Coors family engaging in that kind of ad when they owned the company. I couldn't see the Anheuser-Busch, you know, the Bush family doing that but it's a big corporate international enterprise and um people, a lot of people drink bud light i would prefer to go to a local you know brew pub and um yeah. and enjoy you know sometimes things i well i only drink what i like but 
um, yeah, I like experimenting with taste and not just something that has... So you weren't a regular Bud Light kind of person? Uh, I think I am never a Bud Light kind of person. <laughs> you um, know, I... I I've got a lot of friends up in Colorado, and the the beer that is really popular up there is PBR. You know, it's been around forever, and I, it, you know, that PBR, you know, Pabst Blue Ribbon. For those who don't know what that stands for, um, brings back memories to me because that was the fa- my my dad's favorite beer when I was a kid. You didn't drink Hudepol or Wiedemann. No, he drank PBR. Okay. That was his beer. He liked PBR. Well, and it he'd was... be in the backyard drinking a PBR, listening to the ball game. I it's um, of that. and there were some really fine beers. I mean, I mean, there were some really awful ones. I'm thinking like Milwaukee's best or Old Milwaukee. Old Milwaukee. That was pretty bad. Schlitz. Schlitz. Okay. That was a G- and Stroh's. Yeah. Pretty nasty. The only people that ever drank Stroh's were people in Colorado because they couldn't get it. Yeah. It's the same reason we drank Coors because you couldn't get it back yeah. east. Yeah. See, I'm not a. I don't like beer. I'm not a beer drinker. So to me, it's like I can, although <clears throat> I believe I'm probably the perfect taster for beer. Okay, because you can put a bunch of beers in front of me, and I'll taste them. I'll say that one really sucks. That one sucks. That one sucks. That one sucks the least. And chances are that's the one everybody that likes beer will say is really great. <laughs> Sucks the least. <laughs> Sucks the least. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to be a celebrity beer taster in town, I can Pro- tell. Probably. <laughs> I think I'd be ideal for the job. So, hey, um, let's finish off by talking about uh, the Twitter release. I've been going over those Twitter releases by Matt Taibbi. But, by the way, he's been really ticking off a lot of people with his Twitter releases. And it's like they're going after him. They're actually trying to prosecute him for this stuff, for coming out with these Twitter releases. Now, <clears throat> like I've talked about previously, is that Twitter had basically been taken over by the government. Um they were doing the bidding of all of these politicians. They were, um, they were, they were basically the propaganda arm of the government. Well, they were censoring everybody. Everybody, everybody didn't agree with them. Yeah, yeah. And and I would even go as far as saying these social media companies, Twitter, uh, under its previous leadership, may very well have been responsible, or at least partially responsible, for the deaths of a whole lot of people that did not get good information concerning the the so-called covid okay that information was being blocked they were they were only being fed one narrative and that was the government narrative and that's it and well and even now you're you know you're still getting texts from the state you know telling you to get boosted and things right. like that even though the science has been suspect for a while i mean and i think i've told you before i mean because because my wife had uh, um, some health issues that she could not get the booster, which was good. Um, you know, I did, and I got you know shot twice and boosted once, and I just said that's enough. I hope you're okay. <laughs> and I'm done. You know what? I'm fine. I'm in the best shape I've been in. I had zero side effects when I got it. I don't know what the long term consequences are, but it's like I'm done because. I don't know what it does. And I've been... We won't know for a long wood, time. Knock on wood, I've been COVID-free the entire time. Even when my wife contracted it, um, I didn't have it. But I'm going to get it. Everyone's going to get everybody's, something. Everybody's going to get it. And as long as it's not long COVID, which sucks, but it's yeah. not, you don't hear about it as much right now, but there are so many variants, it will be around for a long time. I've had allergies kicking my butt for the last couple of weeks. Every every year this time when the wind is blowing, I, I have an allergy to dust. I mean, it's like when when the wind is blowing, all kinds of crap is blowing. I've got an allergic uh, allergy to uh, junipers. But everything's blowing around. Actually, my chiropractor, uh, Dr. Genter, you know, one of my advertisers, she gave me this stuff the other day when I was in her office that was, it's like drops, and it's like you put, them on, put it under your tongue. It's like, wow, it knocked out those allergy symptoms, and it's specifically designed for this area. 
Yeah, the, of course, the greatest wind blowing was came out of the sixty day session in the legislature. That's true. Yeah, a lot of hot air. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unbelievable. So, in this uh, this release sixteen that Matt Toby put out on Twitter, he's talking about how uh, there were thousands of moderation requests from every corner of the governments, government feds making both conservatives and leftists for mistaking both conservatives and leftists for fictional Russians. And I was, I was kidding around about that on previous uh, uh, releases in which the, the government was pushing so hard because they wanted to produce Russian they wanted to produce Russians on social media and they just weren't finding them. And, and I was su- sus- suspect of that all along when that was all of that nonsense was going on. It's like, you know, they're just pushing this way too hard. There's something to this. But it goes back to less in the Obama race uh, races, um, but in, um, in 16 and in 20, um, the impact of social media has been profound pro and i mean whether you know for trump against trump for uh hillary clinton um you know all this stuff with biden suppressing the biden story Uh um advancing the trump story i mean trump can be he's a pompous jerk in my opinion a lot of people have that opinion of him, and he's. But I look you know, at what he, I just look at him as a strong personality. I personally don't find that as a problem. I, well, because you do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, you a, know, I think it, I think the Donald. That's a compliment. I know. Though. I think the Donald and I would get along really good. It's like you know, I I I kind of do the same thing doing this radio show. You know, I tend to have strong opinions. I although I do listen. I am a. I you gotta gotta give it to me. I'm a good listener. He listens too. Yeah. But then he processes things in ways that are beyond comprehension. <laughs> but the point is, it wasn't all for Trump. I mean, Trump didn't win in 16 because social media was behind him. No. And he didn't lose in 20. He may have lost in 20 because. I don't think he lost in 20. He's not the president right now. No. Right. I mean, for whatever reason. For whatever reason, Biden got installed. Right. The but, guy that hid in the basement through the if, entire campaign. But if Fetterman could win, <laughs> Biden could win. Yeah. All right? Give me that. This is the best the Democrat Party has to offer. Um. Ab- oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. John, John Fetterman was blessed to have a not great candidate opposing him Mm -hmm. and dr oz would have been a great senator but not the best candidate there was the other guy that was running that i wanted what what was his name uh i can't remember now oz was not my first choice because i i didn't seem i didn't see dr oz as being a strong conservative and it kind of makes me wonder if there weren't a lot of conservatives that might have sat at home and did not vote Oh, I'm sorry. Welcome to the New Mexico Republican Party. Yeah. yeah. If they would only get out and vote, things could change. Yeah. But could they really? Yeah, I do. I do believe that because I think your obligation as you may not love the candidate, you may not love the platform, um, but we have to win elections. Hey, Mark, I hate to interrupt. You know, we're almost out of time. Oh my goodness! Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Just flew by. Anyway, uh, you you guys can read uh, uh, Twitter release sixteen. I've got, I'll have it in the show notes. I I put the show notes on the website on my freedomspeaknm dot com. You can download them. You can look at all the references. You can do some research. Because we didn't, um, we didn't get through the whole thing. No, I got I had so many notes that we didn't get through this week. But oh well. Um, so, question and comments. Send them to Becca at freedomspeaknm.com. Check out the website, freedomspeaknm.com. You can listen to replays there. And to get all the resources I got there, I want to thank uh, Mark for coming in today. Um, You can listen to our live stream every Friday morning now, 9 a.m. to noon, on Rumble, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can call in. Um, You can catch the podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple iTunes. 
Like, follow, share, share, share. And also check out my new late night show on Saturday night on Rumble, Facebook, Twitter, where we talk about everything. We're going to talk about a lot about UFOs this Saturday night. It's going to be awesome. Freedom is essential to everyone. Liberty and freedom are rights, not privileges. Divided, we're weak. Together, we're strong. It's time for all to stand up, open your eyes, reject division, and tell the Marxists and those pushing the woke agenda and hate. Hell no. We won't comply. And everybody together, we, we are, are the, the resistance. resistance. See ya. <laughs>